Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm a feminist, but the other day, my taxi driver, who was taking me from Chicago to the airport so I could fly here to Toronto, was a woman. And I felt pretty annoyed because it meant I had to lift my own heavy suitcase into the boot of the car. And she didn't get out, and she didn't offer to get out, and why should she? She hasn't got any better upper body strength than me. She shouldn't, she shouldn't get out. But I was there like, it was snowing in Chicago, I was like, and I was thinking, you know what? I support women taxi drivers so hard. I love a female taxi driver, but maybe they could bring a bag man? who just sits in the front, just in case for an airport. And he should not be paid because of the history of the world and the patriarchy. He should just be there to lift my bag. Men should have to do it on a voluntary basis like jury duty. Bag men. If I were running Canada, I would bring in 
jury duty style bag men for female taxi drivers. This is why I should be not elected your prime minister. I agree with that though. I'm a feminist, but I only get mad if male Uber drivers don't get out to get my luggage. Like if it's a female Uber driver and she tries to lift my luggage, I'm like, ma'am, stop. <laughs> Hold on a second, sir, come here. <laughs> oh, what, you were waiting for an Uber too? Who cares? <laughs> I'll pick up this bag. But if a man Uber driver didn't get out of the car, you'd be like, get out. Oh, I deduct a star, quick. Oh! <laughs> star down. Star down. <laughs> do you want to do another one? Sure, I'll go. Oh, this is, we were just talking about money. I'm a feminist, but I, I, um, I always want to use his money. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's like my savings account is getting bigger and bigger because I, I keep using his. You look so happy about that. <laughs> is it possible that's why you have such a big tax bill? <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I'm currently watching the Netflix show You, which is about a male stalker and his female victim who has no idea she's being stalked by him and is falling for him. They're in a romantic, well, they're not really in a romantic relationship, but she feels like they're in a romantic relationship. And sometimes, because he is the narrator and it's from his point of view, and because of the way stories work, I catch myself briefly emotionally rooting for him <laughs> to hide the evidence of the terrible things he's done from her. Because, like, she'll come into his apartment and you can see all of the evidence that, you know, he's got her old phone that he's stolen. I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, he's got... You can imagine, this is a stalker. This is not a spoiler. He's got bits and bobs, like a T-shirt, things she shouldn't have. And then he, like passionately kisses her and then behind her back he's trying to push t-shirts under a sofa or whatever putting a phone under a cushion and I of course because I'm watching a story I'm going oh my god she nearly saw that quickly kick it under the sofa and I'm like what are you doing what are you doing he's a dangerous man but it's irresponsible that it's from his point of view why is it from the white man's point of view I don't understand, but also I'm really enjoying it, so don't tell me what happens. <laughs> I was just about to say, you're on season one. Oh! Boom. I've just started season one, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, I think they added a feminist to the writer's room. Um, oh, did they? Is season two more feminist? For season two, I'm just saying, I don't want to spoil it. Because um, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it's not feminist, I haven't seen enough of it yet to know. But there is that thing where you're going, oh, it's interesting we're seeing it from his point of view. I think they've done it deliberately because normally you see it from the victim's point of view, a stalker film or something like that, a thriller. So it is interesting, but also I'm like, stop rooting for the bad man! <laughs> um, okay, in terms of rooting for men on film, I'm a feminist, but... I feel like in the Titanic movie, I know it's old, um, I feel like in the Titanic movie, Rose could have moved over and made room for Jack. <laughs> I also feel like it was a very white woman thing to do. <laughs> like take up the whole door. 
feel like a woman of color would have been like, we can both make it. <laughs> it feels like a white woman was like, well, where would I put my petticoat? <laughs> Bye, Jack. <laughs> you, you may have a point. However, I feel when we get equal representation in the media and they close that pay gap, they can have half the door. <laughs> Up until that point, the door's ours, ladies. I'm a feminist, but when I got to Canadian immigration, I was worried because I've never officially worked in Canada before. I mean, I've never worked in Canada before. And in any capacity, official or unofficial, if there's anyone in from immigration, anyway. Um, there was a male immigration officer and you know how they kind of do that thing of like you're working here and I'd never worked here before and I was like oh yes I'm sorry yes and I was like oh my god you know you get that feeling that they're going to send you back and they're going to go this piece of paper means nothing we don't want you here because uh, I'd just been in America and <laughs> where you have to say blessed be the fruit <laughs> before you before you get to the next stage and you say it, because, you know, a girl's got to eat. So, I'd resign. Um, sorry, it's just an instinct now. Um, so I was, like, nervous. And the guy looked down at the sheet, the immigration officer, who was a man, looked down at the sheet. And then he went, oh, you're the guilty feminist? Like, the podcast? I know that podcast. And he went, and I don't know many podcasts. I'm not a podcast guy, but I know the guilty feminist. And he was like where are you performing? And I said, Danforth Music Hall. And he went, that's a great venue. And he was so nice. And I was just like, oh my God, marry me. I was like crushing on him so hard. I was like, do you want to come to the show? It's tonight. And he went, oh, I would, but I have to work tomorrow. And I was like, that's a whole different day. He's like, I have to work in the morning, so I can't go out tonight. I was like, no, I don't understand what you're saying. I was like, you come out tonight, then you go to work. Marry me. Because <laughs> an immigrant... Canada is so charming. It's so polite, so charming, that the, the man at immigration knows your feminist podcast and admires it. I think it's great. I just wish he left one thing out. What's that? I wish that he didn't say, I don't listen to many podcasts. No, that just makes it more flattering, though, because if he listens to all the podcasts... If he listens to all the podcasts and still said, but the Guilty Feminist podcast is the one I like, then... But sometimes, you know how guys say, I don't think women are funny, but you... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't listen to podcasts, but yours... But if he said, I've heard every podcast ever made... <laughs> and the Guilty Feminist, that's my podcast... I do see what you're saying, and also I'm going to beg you not to take this from me. <laughs> as a sister, as a sister, I'm just going to say, take your sexy moment with the immigration man, who, by the way, if you're listening, sir, and I know that you are, <laughs> I'm on Instagram, slide into my DMs. <laughs> I feel like I just cock-blocked. <laughs> and I apologize. <laughs> it's... Uh, do you, have you got another one? I forgot another one. No, I'm loving it. I'm a feminist, but I think boyfriend-fit jeans are more superior 
than any other fit jeans ever. I feel like they should just call them male privilege jeans. <laughs> and I want every single pair. Um, <laughs> Fourth musical in Toronto. The Spontaneity Shop presents the girls in Romanes with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co host Zena Johnson, and a very special guest, Marzella Doctor. Talking about mad as hell. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Francis White, with me is Zainab Johnson, and we're talking about being mad as hell. I may have mispronounced your name. We might have to do it all again. Can you just, can you just say your surname? Zainab. No, no, your surname. Yeah, we don't say that in America. Speak my language. Oh, sorry. Last name? Last name. Oh, you don't say surname? No. Oh, we say... Surname. They're, they're lady name. Yeah, no, there's so many things I've had to learn. The first time I left the country, they were like, you're here for holiday? I was like, what? It's not Christmas. <laughs> Johnson. Oh, I did say it right there. Yeah. The re- I thought it was Johnson, but they've written it here as Johnsonum. And I thought, I'm sure it was Johnson before, but maybe, you know when sometimes you, you see what you expect to see? So I thought, maybe it's always been Johnsonum. <laughs> and I misread it. So I said Johnson and then went, I'm going to have to clarify. Have you had a feminist week or a guilty week, do you reckon? I think I'm always having a feminist week. I love yeah, that. Yeah, take no shit. Take no shit, take no prisoners. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm loving it. Thank you so much for coming to do this. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming show, Upload? Uh, sure. It is um, created by Greg Daniels, who created The American Office. Um, you guys didn't care about that. Um, <laughs> Did he do anything on the do. Canadian office? <laughs> or, in fact, breakfast television? They're very big fans, the whole lot of them. It's, it's what they do. They, people who aren't home at breakfast, they record it, they watch it at dinner time. Big fans. Uh, no, but we actually taped it in Vancouver, so, hey, Canada. You're taping in Vancouver? We taped it in Vancouver for three and a half months. Your tax incentives are so excellent. Is that Justin Trudeau or does that predate him? Predates him. Mm, okay. Much, <laughs> much, much like blackface. Ooh. Ooh. I'm just saying. I was. I was always crushing on him on this show. I definitely would have mentioned him. I would have done an I'm a Feminist Butt about him on Breakfast Television, but no. I never thought he was that fine, to be honest with you. I'm like, that's just a regular white guy. (laughs) But, yeah, I hear that. Regular white guy, but very handsome world leader. If you get all the world leaders together, they're not normally hot. It's not a calendar. I think most times, with like very few exceptions, when you add world leader to the title, it makes them unattractive immediately. I know what you mean, because they've got to be megalomaniacs. Yeah. Do you know what? A psychiatrist once told me, there were two psychiatrists chatting. It sounds like a joke, but it's real. Um, One of the psychiatrists was married to a friend of mine. Anyway, they were all sitting around. I have to explain that. I'm a feminist, but... 
Don't worry, the psychiatrist is neither a woman nor a friend of mine. <laughs> I, we were sitting around giddily as wives and uh, we overheard their conversation. We were talking about world leaders and they said, oh, well, our world leader at the time, Gordon Brown, they said, oh yeah, well, he's a sociopath. And I said, what, how do you, he, they said, oh, all world leaders are sociopaths, they kind of have to be. And they said, we're not saying he's like, a man who sits in a van at the front of your house. We're saying that in order to lead a country, you need to think your opinion is vastly superior to other people's and not be affected when they make this face. Mm. <laughs> because you're gonna see a lot of this face. Mm. Are you sure? Are you sure? And most people are too affected by that face to be a world leader. So you have to be a sociopath to be a president or a prime minister. And I was like, my God, that's so fascinating. Yeah, also, he probably had somebody chopped up in his car. Are you saying that Justin Trudeau has a body? Because I have only just got my working visa here. I do not want it to be revoked. All I'm saying, Jacinda Ardern discuss. I don't think she's a sociopath. I think she's a regular, compassionate person. I would not disagree with that. I think she's the one. Yeah, I'm fine with that. It's possible she's the Messiah. <laughs> she's come to save us. It's probably too much pressure. It's too much pressure. Either she's the Messiah or the baby she gave birth to while in power is the Messiah. Because that happened very quickly. I think it was immaculate. <laughs> let's be honest. Which couple where, you, you know, where you've both got jobs has time to have sex, much less running a country? If you were running New Zealand, how many sex nights a year would you get? <laughs> All I'm saying, immaculate conception. That baby is the Messiah. It's only a theory. You're looking at me like, who got me into this podcast? <laughs> I'm calling my manager. I do not really think that's Zainab. No, I don't. I'm happy to be here. I just don't <laughs> like to... <laughs> no, I'm happy to be here. I just stay off immaculate conception topics. <laughs> just that's that. Is just that. that sorry, else. that was on your rider. I've just seen it. No mention of the immaculate conception. I've, I've blown it already. I've blown it already. What are you mad as hell about at the moment? Is there anything that's really bugging you? You know what's really bugging me, actually? I think it's because, you know, we've started a new year and, like, you got to get your taxes ready. I don't know how it is here, but I feel like the two things that matter as an adult are the very two things that they don't teach you in school. Mm -hmm. Like they don't teach you about politics and they don't teach you about taxes. And those are like the only two things you need. That's so true. As an adult. Yeah. yeah. I've seen so many of my friends online going, I've come to a cafe to do my taxes and I've just drunk coffee and cried. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They don't teach taxes. Like, they teach calculus. Yeah. Taxes should be first. Yeah. Because very few specialists use calculus, but we all use taxes. Exactly. My accountant explained it to me 17 times and I was like, I just don't get it. Yeah, I hear that. I don't want to pay that much money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well... Actually, I'm happy to pay tax if it's spent on not an Iranian war. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, that's my thing. Please, come and take away half my earnings in a wheelbarrow if you're going to spend it on schools and hospitals and public services and redistribute 
some of my wealth to people who have no other way of getting it. But at the moment, I live in the United Kingdom, and that is run by Boris Johnson. <laughs> Appropriate pantomime response. <laughs> And we're spending that money on leaving the European Union for no reason. And basically every penny of tax I pay until I die now will be paying off an exit fee. You know when you get an exit fee from your bank for leaving? It's like that, but it will be till the end of time. Wait, you get an exit fee for leaving a bank? I don't want to break this to you now. You're already too upset about the taxes. from the gut. It's not a cult. Lock the doors. It's, I do sometimes worry about it because I was in a cult when I was younger. Many of you know that I was, uh, I was a Jehovah's Witness and it's a very high control group. And uh, so I really worry. I just think people who've been in cults can accidentally start them. Because it's sort of in your DNA. It's just sort of how you see the world. You, know, you suddenly go, oh shit, I've started a cult. Accidentally. But it's not, this is not a cult. Because I think a useful definition of the, of the word cult, I wasn't going to go here at all, but it's just happened. A useful definition of the word cult is any group who won't let you leave with your dignity intact. Meghan Markle. All I'm saying. Wants to come home. And it's so weird, actually, that the British press have respond, they keep saying, well, it's going to be very, very difficult for Meghan and Harry to extricate themselves from their royal duty. It's going to be very, very complicated. They don't realize how complicated. I'm like, what? They're visiting hospitals in tasteful outfits. They're not running the National Health Service. What are they doing? Like, I'm not saying they're doing nothing. Actually, I think, the, you know, I'm not a monarchist at all, but the royal family do, they have these engagements every single day. Like some people go, oh, they just eat chocolate and on a pile of dogs. But they don't. They don't. They actually do have quite a busy schedule. I've watched The Crown. Sometimes I have to go to the regions to look at a disaster and try to cry. Um, and they can't, they can't, the truck can't get the tears out because of the... Yeah. Yeah. Of course, can't get the tears out because of all that suits. So, she's an expert at tears out and that's caused competition right away because everyone else in the family is British and then a royal and have had to stifle their tears from a very young age. Six months, I think six months. Um, a, 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 if, when you're a royal baby, you've got six full months to cry, and then it's just button it up, kid. We don't do that here. And you're just making them out tighter and tighter and tighter. And that, that's the thing about that accent, it's right up the front of the mouth. And you put all the air, push it out, push it out. Mouth. If you want to do it, it's just like, it's just, it's just right up the front. Right, right, right up the front. And then just make it very wide and tight and right up the front. And just do it. The rest of the mouth doesn't need to be involved at all. Doesn't it? Tilt the tongue. Tilt the tongue. 
There's no need for any vulgar back mouth action. No, 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 no. Basically, you just have to look like you couldn't physically possibly give a blowjob. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible, if you medically, medically, you know like Prince Andrew can't sweat medically. The rest of them, the rest of them, that I wouldn't be able to fit one in. Not after the lunch I've had. If you're here for the first time, you're very welcome into our lovely Guilty Feminist tribe. Um, we like to think we're something of an army. Uh, so thank you for coming. Uh, I think a lot of the success of it is live audiences, because I think if it was just like three or four comedians and activists in a studio, you'd think, oh yeah, they're all doing it and talking about it. But I think it's honestly, the success of it is you can hear the audience laughing, enforcing, getting angry, and you think, hey, I'm really not alone. There's hundreds of women, thousands of women, and people of minority genders, and cis men, some. Just give us a cheer if you've come tonight and you're a cisgendered man. Okay, now if you're a straight cisgendered man. Right, tip two. You see, we've got a massive, a massive gay following. It's not my fault I'm a gay icon. It's just what happens if you're a mouthy woman with a microphone and a taste for red shoes. I'm not wearing them tonight, but I am metaphorically. I've got a red shoe energy, whether I wear them or not. It's just what happens. But if you are a straight cisgendered man, welcome. Sorry, I don't mean to point at you as if I know that you are, but the way you went, thank you. I'm getting a much better spidey sense for where they are. Thank you for coming. Um, do you listen to the show? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Some people would say you need to listen to more than other people. I'm not saying that, but I am saying there's an argument. There's an argument, sir. A little bit. Are you, are you here with a partner or a friend? You're here with your wife. Do you listen to it? Yeah. Does he overhear it? Because you play it loudly. And you've said, oh, maybe you can come to this. So this is sort of, the reason your wife has brought you here, sir, is you need to learn. That's, that's clear to all of us. You're the only one that wasn't clear to. Would you call yourself a feminist, sir? Oh, he's paused for a long time there. His wife's going, yes, say yes, they'll turn. She told you this wouldn't happen, didn't she? She said, it's fine, it's fine. See, then she's like, third row, it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. She guaranteed you this wouldn't happen. Sorry, what's your name? Chris, yeah. Chris, she told you, sorry, oh, she, what's your name? Micah. Micah, Micah. So you're basically Mrs. Micah. Micah's, Micah's husband. Micah's husband. Uh, would you call yourself a feminist? Yes. Yes, this time he has answered quickly. I'm going on a breakfast show tomorrow, a breakfast television show. Does anyone know what I'm going on? Breakfast, is there only one breakfast television? one thing. Okay, well, the, I'm going on the only thing I can go on in Canada, apparently. It's a big country. You sure there's not more? Don't you have different networks there? Different names. Well, I don't know what mine's called. Does anyone know what mine's called? But is it called that? Because I just called it that. 
don't know. I don't know. You've got a show called Breakfast Telly that's so literal. They normally call things like Good Morning Canada or Hello Toronto or Coffee Vancouver. Aren't they? Aren't they called things like that? I don't know. Anyway, I'm going on something tomorrow. We'll find out what. Um, uh, to talk about the book uh, and these shows. So the book's just come out. It's called The Guilty Feminist. If anyone brought one tonight, I'll sign copies in the foyer at the end. Uh, if you don't have a book, but you'd like me to sign a body part or a... Sometimes people come up with a copy of A Room of One's Own or something like that. And I'm like, sure. Uh, sure. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Would you like to hear some stand-up comedy? <laughs> then put your hands together and make incredible Toronto woohooing noises for the wonderful Zainab Johnson! <laughs> hey, Toronto! actually my first time in Toronto. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm born and raised in New York, and I hear that, um, that Toronto is the New York of Canada. So, yeah, you guys are ambitious. Um, it was a trick. I'm sorry. My first time here, it was my first time getting um, a nuclear alert on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was my first time getting an apology. <laughs> For that nuclear alert. You know what's so crazy about it is the alerts both were sent so early in the morning. I didn't wake up until about two o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> because my phone is always on silent. So when I woke up, I was like, oh my God, I could die? Oh no, I can't die. <laughs> then I realized, you'd already be dead. 
because you were late. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. It is cold. It is, it is very cold. I'm happy I got my braids in my hair. This is a, yeah. I'm happy you guys are on board with this. This is something doesn't seem like white people understand. All the years and all the black women, you guys are still like, but how? I've gone through like so many different hairstyles. Like I remember I had a shaved head, like completely shaved and I loved it. But what I didn't know was that like women who saw me, they put so much pressure on me. Like me just having a shaved head, they were like, yeah, you put the female revolution on your back. <laughs> like they would come up to me so inspired, like, wow, you must feel so free, so spiritually lifted. I was like, it was Tuesday and I didn't feel like doing my hair. <laughs> so I shaved it off. <laughs> this one woman, she didn't stop. She was like, but you must feel so empowered. I was like, or lazy. <laughs> she was one. Then I had an Afro. I still have an Afro when it's not like this, it's an Afro, which I absolutely love. The Afro is very like militant. You know, I'm from New York, I wear all black, I have an afro. I look like I protest for fun. <laughs> People are like, what are you doing today? I'm like, looking for a corporation to boycott. <laughs> afro is like, you know, so strong. Like just the image of it, when you think about like a black woman with an afro, you think of Angela Davis, you think of like powerful women, you know, sometimes, yeah, yeah, like it, sometimes it just doesn't help with like my dating life. Like sometimes I think I look too strong for guys. Like a guy will see me and think like, oh, I'm attracted to her, but she looks like she reads books. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like if we had sex, I'd have to respect her in the morning. <laughs> it's like, yes, you do. Um, it's very hard to be a hoe with an afro. It's hard. I've tried it. I've tried to send like late night texts to guys like booty calls. I'm like, hey, you up? They're like, yeah, Z, did somebody get shot? Is there a march? I'm like... I'm like, no, I'm just trying to fuck. They're like, fuck up the man, right? I'm like, oh. <sighs> okay, let's, let's go march. <laughs> I actually, I remember when I had a shaved head, I dated a barber. Um, I don't know if I had a shaved head and date, well, I don't know what came first, but it happened. And of course, I didn't pay for him to cut my hair. Because in my mind, I was like, listen, I can't pay you $30 to cut my hair, and then you take me to the movies with my $30. <laughs> so, and I know, <laughs> I know that <laughs> that sounds unfair, right? Um, but I think that there are so many more unfair things in the world. Like, I think it's unfair that for women, like, people use our age against us. You know, like society all over the world has made a woman answer, how old are you, like this. How old do I look? <laughs> and inside, we're like, please say younger than I am. But I think like at every age, we should be proud. Like, I love saying I'm 35, I love it. 
especially because like human trafficking is so high right now, they are taking these young girls and it's scary, but I'm 35. I've never felt more saved. When a white van pulls up next to my car, I'm like, I'm 35. And the kidnapper's like, oh ma'am, I'm so sorry. Go right ahead. I'm like, that's a polite criminal. I ran that joke past somebody. <laughs> I'm happy y'all laughed because <laughs> she was like, I get it, but don't tell it. <laughs> Clearly, I don't listen. I'm hard-headed, that's what my mom would say. I feel like my mom is like the ultimate feminist. Um, my mom had 13 kids. Yeah, like, you know, I should say, I need to stop saying my mom. My parents have 13 kids. <laughs> but it's like my mom did all the work, so she should get the credit. Um, I personally feel like 13 is too much. <laughs> I'm the fifth kid and I feel like she could have stopped at four. Um, <laughs> I'm like, mm. I'm like, Ma, you didn't have any friends? I feel like a good girlfriend would have been like, girl, you doing too much. <laughs> a lot of kids, that's a lot, 13? That's too many. We grew up in New York, we grew up Muslim. Any Muslims? Yeah, that's all I like them. Um, did it get weird? Um, <laughs> feel like the Muslims were like, is this okay? And the non-Muslims were like, is this okay? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, my, my mom is so funny. My last name is Johnson, right? Which Zainab and Johnson don't really go together. Um, Zainab is very Islamic, is a very Islamic name. Uh, Middle Eastern men, they get excited. When they hear my name, they get excited. They're like, Z Zainab. Yeah. Z <laughs> Because it catches them off guard. They're like, yeah, that's a black woman. And then they hear Zainab. They're like, Zainab, Zainab. That is my mother's name. <laughs> it's an esteemed name. Johnson doesn't go with Zainab, but it saves me like when I'm going through like TSA, airport security. <laughs> Thank God for the Johnson. Because they look at the Zainab. They're like, should we stop her? Johnson? No, she's probably just going to Atlanta. <laughs> Which I probably am. <laughs> So here's the thing, so it's 13 of us, half of us are named Johnson, but the other half are Abdul Rahim, which is a Muslim last name, right? So here's what happened. My parents converted, right? Before we were ever born, but like halfway into the kids, my parents were like, let's legally change our names. So they go to City Hall in New York and they go and say, hey, we're Muslim. We want to change our kids' names. And the lady behind the desk was like, that's wonderful. It's going to cost a trillion dollars. <laughs> How Muslim are you? <laughs> and my parents were like, we'll just start new with the rest of the kids. Now it's like a feud between the siblings. Like whenever my little sister does something, we're like, I don't know, she's an Abdul Rahim. Like, I don't know. What's going on in their brains? 
I was in second grade when my mom had the 10th kid. And I was like, this gotta stop. <laughs> I didn't know if my dad was like making her. I was like, mommy, blink twice. We'll get you out of here. But no, my mom wanted 20. <laughs> I feel like you just said a prayer for her vagina. <laughs> you went, ooh. <laughs> that sounded like a He-Man laugh. <laughs> I asked my mom to get her tubes tied when I was in second grade. I have no idea how I found out about tube tying in second grade. I must have been so fed up, I sat in front of a bunch of encyclopedias and was like, there has to be an answer. <laughs> or maybe I overheard like the gossip and lunch lady say, if Miss Johnson enrolls one more of those kids in the free lunch program, I'm gonna take her to the clinic myself. I don't know how I found out, but when I did, I was like, great, there's a solution. And I ran home to my mom and I was like, mom, get your tubes tied. And my mother, said the craziest thing to me. She says, Zainab, baby, I'm not gonna get my tubes tied. Me and your father, we might not make it. I'm gonna marry another man, and I'm going to have his children. <laughs> I was like, this chick is confident. I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna have to break the news to my mom. That's not how dating works. <laughs> there are no eligible bachelors out there looking for a divorcee with 10 dependents. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry, you gotta stay with daddy. <laughs> you have to stay. I am Muslim, which I like. Um, I didn't like it as a kid. It didn't make sense to me. Um, I was in school with a bunch of non-Muslim kids, and it just, I don't know, I, I remember going home to my mom one year and saying, Mom, something happens, they put up a tree, and then people get gifts. And then like a couple of months later, something happens with a rabbit and some eggs, and they get more <laughs> gifts. I was like, you make us not eat for 30 days. <laughs> And then we get one gift. I'm just, I just want to know who chose this. <laughs> like, where's religion, human resources? Who can I talk to to change this? Now as an adult, though, I really, I, I really love it. Um, I love fasting during Ramadan. I'm very strict. It makes my skin look amazing. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, you know, the five pillars, but I mean, the skin. <laughs> I want to hear God, but I want to glow. Um, <laughs> this one woman, she stopped me during Ramadan one year. She was like, I am so sorry. What do you use on your skin? And I was like, God. <laughs> you should try it. Actually, um, I went to court a little while ago. I had to testify for my brother. Um, and when I took the stand, the bailiff said to me, he said, Ms. Johnson, out of respect for your religious beliefs, you don't have to swear on the Bible. You can affirm on another book. 
And I had no idea that they did that. All the episodes of Law & Order I watched, I never saw that episode. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much. I was like, that's so considerate. Thank you so much. I was like, but you could bring out any book you want. I don't plan on telling the truth anyway. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, that's not why I came here. <laughs> I came here to get him out, so <laughs> I promised to tell you what I practiced. <laughs> Matter of fact, um, since I'm going to be lying, go ahead, bring out the Bible. Um, <laughs> that is always the response. It's like, <laughs> oh. Now hold on, Zaynab. <laughs> I do love being Muslim. Um, I just don't like when people try and convert me. I don't like it. Um, I used to argue with my ex-boyfriend. He used to say to me all the time, Zainab, I really want to marry you, but I need you to be Christian. And I was like, I really want to marry you too, but I need you to be financially stable. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you grew up, but whoever makes the most money, that's who chooses the religion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Zainab, you guys. Thank you. Zainab Jones, everybody! Just a quick break in the podcast to say that we have Patreon now. Because we used to be able to sell tickets to live events, we never asked the audience for help before. But now in order to keep making the podcast, we need your help. If you join our Patreon from as little as £2.50 a month, you'll get some extra content and goodies and our everlasting appreciation. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash guilty feminist. Every day at 6pm British summertime, I do The New Normal on Instagram live at The Guilty Feminist with some incredible guests. And you can see the ones we've already done on Instagram television or YouTube. If you'd like me to make a video for you or for one of your friends for their birthday or a pep talk or anniversary, anything like that, please go to the Cameo app and find me. All of the proceeds go to Choose Love Help Refugees. And so far we've made about three grand for them. So we're very excited. Please keep it coming. And now back to the podcast. Zainab just asked, I didn't know if I was going to get a light. So in a comedy club, they give you a light to say, hey, you've got two minutes left or whatever, your time's up. And then another one to say, your time's totally up. But I really can't run a show where a man at the back of the room shines a light in a woman's face, which means shut the fuck up. Sorry. That's, you just reminded me of something. So, you're like, did I? <laughs> so, do, wait, do I have time to say this? Yeah. Okay, so um, last night I was at a comedy club. I did four shows at Comedy Pro? Bar. I hope they're not in here. Um, <laughs> so, after I did my first set, I got off stage, and a male comedian in the back of the show was like, you should say this. Oh. Oh, if only they'd been there. <laughs> he said, you should say this. He was like, you should say that Toronto is like New York, except you guys still have all your buildings. What? Yeah, he thought he was giving me a good joke. 
And so my reaction, you know how you lean in and I did exactly what you did. I, w I just gave him silence. I was like, okay. So then the next show, I go up on stage and I tell the story and I tell the joke that he said and the audience responded the same way. And I was like, yeah, that was my response. I'm happy now that he knows he's terrible. <laughs> Wow. Awesome. But then the nerve of him, you know, that would be enough to make any man go home and reevaluate his life, right? <laughs> he comes to me after the second show. Oh, I know where this is going, I think. Tell me. He says, <laughs> he, he says, that was so funny when you talked about me. than what I thought. I thought he was going to say, I don't think you landed it right. It's the way you delivered it. What he said was, it was even better than the crass joke that I arrogantly gave you. You were talking about me. That's all I heard. People heard me and then they made a ha ha noise. I'm somehow funny. Wow. 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 I wish I knew his name so we could really tear him apart. I kind of love that you don't care what his name is. Like, I don't know if he even had a name. Yeah, he didn't. It's... <laughs> Was that chain of comedy clubs called the Comedy Bar? Yeah. That's like breakfast television. It's just like... Is that how you name things here? It's like, that's what it is. It's comedy in a and bar. <laughs> what should we call it? The Giggle Factory? <laughs> the Laugh House? I, don't, I just don't think it needs that kind of embellishment. <laughs> Let's call it the Comedy Bar. We'll advertise it on breakfast television. <laughs> Do you have any more things like that that we should know about? It's like a... Wow. Well, anything else that's like a too obvious name, it's just like a literal. Theater sports? Beer store. Beer store. School. Like school, like going to school? No, store. Store. Like, yeah, beer like you, yeah, you oh. want to buy beer? We got a beer store. literally a store for beer. Wow. Wow. Canada. Canada. You gotta get a little bit more poetical. It's too literal. I like the simplicity of names, you know? Sometimes we get too complicated. Like if you see like a sign that says like ampersand and it's like, do you sell shirts or coffee? Like, what do you do? You know, like sometimes they yeah. try to make it too abstract and it's like, yeah, yeah, calm down. Yeah. Take a leaf out of Canada's maple and you know, just say what you see. Yeah. Say what you see. We should probably bring our guest on. Um, <laughs> would you like to meet our guest? <laughs> our guest today is a writer, activist, and psychotherapist. Her ancestry is Indian, and she was born in Zambia. 
She became interested in community organising as a teen. Uh, she dealt with environmental issues, gender violence, LGBTQ plus rights. And uh, she now works with We Speak Out, uh, a global group that is working to ban female genital cutting in her Dawoodi Bora community. But she also works with the End FGM Canada Network. She has a book out about FGM. It's not out yet, but you can pre-order it. And it's called Seven. Please put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for Farzana Doctor. Firstly, I just need to clarify, you are not a doctor. Doctor is your surname. That's right. Last name. <laughs> we say surname here. Oh, you do say we surname do in say, Canada? Yes. Just not in America. Well, you know what? Now I'm feeling a bit Canadian. Last name. La it's the name that comes last. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually say both because we're dominated by the U.S. as well as England. Now I feel bad. So we, wow. we, we use both. It's a double colony yes. situation. Yes. Yeah. Is that why you apologize so much? Because there's two forces. I think probably. I don't know. Why do we apologize so much? But we know. do. Somebody told me that. Somebody told me Canadians apologize too much. And I was like, more than the Brits? Surely not. And they were like... It's, it's a bad habit, for sure. I think it helps with your feminism... To minimize it. But what I will say is sometimes people say, you should never apologize. You should not apologize. As a woman, you shouldn't apologize. Like, if you've poured hot coffee into somebody's lap, you absolutely should. If you just think, I've been a bit of a jerk, actually, you should apologize. Mm -hmm. But you should apologize with intention warmly once. Mm -hmm. You should not default apologize. That's what I would say right. to all Canadians. And as... <laughs> And as feminists, we need to learn how to apologize very well. You know, we make so many mistakes, and we need, to, we need to know how to do that. And I think we're often afraid of apologizing, of saying we're sorry, and we need to learn how to do that when it's really appropriate. So could you tell us a bit about uh, the End FGM Canada Network mm -hmm. and We Speak Out? Yes. So... Uh, the END FGMC Canada Network is a brand new network. We just started last year. In, in March, we launched. And it's a group that formed because there really needs to be kind of a coordination of the very few END FGM efforts that do exist in Canada. Canada has been pretty silent on this issue. Very different from other countries, like the UK is pretty great in all of the various initiatives it has in terms of like training doctors and social workers and teachers about this issue and doing lots of prevention work. Anyway, so in Canada we don't have much of that and so that's uh, been formed and we're looking for members and we also want people to follow us on Twitter at... Uh, Canada FGM. So that's the network. And then We Speak Out is one of the members of the network. And We Speak Out is very close to my heart because I joined this organization in 2015. And in 2015 was a time in India when Bora feminists, I'm from a community called Daudi Boras, which most people don't know anything about. Very small, insular, cult-like 
I'm not allowed to say that, but I'm going to cult-like community. Cult-like, yeah. There's an orthodoxy that is quite cult-like. Feminists from this community were speaking out about a form of FGM that our community unfortunately practices. And I got involved and I'm so proud to be uh, part of that group. I'm a survivor of that form of female genital cutting. And it was so important to meet other feminists who could talk about this issue to make sense of all of these issues. And it eventually inspired the novel, Seven. And can you tell us a little bit about Seven? Yeah, so um, Seven is about this 40-year-old woman who goes to India on a marriage-saving trip with her husband. And there's a, a whole... marriage-saving trip, yes. so it's like, what, there's... the marriage is rocky? It's a bit rocky, sex is quite lukewarm, uh, there's been some infidelity on her part, and they I'm, go... I'm, I'm loving this book so far. <laughs> to how much do you go into the infidelity on her part? <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I'm going to rewrite it for you and put more in. <laughs> Excellent. So I'm going to get a different edition that's yes. just off your laptop. Special one for you. a little bit of... The first chapter's more like Fifty Shades of Grey. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so um, she goes to India thinking that she's going to be doing research about her great-great-grandfather, but she ends up uncovering bigger, deeper family secrets. And so she's, she's of Indian descent? Yes. Right. So that she goes to India at the time when all of this stuff is exploding in the community around FGC and she has a cousin who's on one side of the debate and another cousin who's on the other. In our community we have people on both sides of the debate. There are actually activists who are like um, fighting for their right to continue FGC. So I have her having cousins on both sides and she has to figure out her position. Yeah, so Leila Hussein, who's been on the show, she always says she won't debate it. She's a victim of FGM as mm-hmm. well. And she always says she won't debate it with anyone because in Britain now, I don't know, is this the same in America and Canada that on breakfast television um, or any television show, they say, well, we've got to have somebody on for balance. And she says, well, you wouldn't have a paedophile on for balance and it's yeah. violence. So I won't debate anybody who advocates violence against children. I will debate or discuss with family members, with individuals who um, want to have a conversation, but most of the time the people who are on the other side are just like internet trolls. I think too, historically, there was this kind of cultural relativism thing that was going around, especially in feminist circles, and people were very afraid that, especially white women, were really afraid that if they spoke about this issue, they would be seen as racist. But I think what we really need to understand, the thing that I really want feminists to understand is that FGC, FGM is like, it's not this weird thing that like weird people do. It's part of a continuum of sexual violence. It's a way of controlling women's and girls' and non-binary sexuality and bodies. And it's not and that different. Bodies as yes, well. yeah. And it's not that different from, you know, rape culture mm-hmm. or femicide, right? It's just part of the same continuum of garbage. So we need to fight it. So we need our traditional Guilds Feminist heckle. How can we help? What can we do? Thank you very much. Uh, how can we help? Because you have this organization, mm-hmm. uh, the End FGM Canada Network. 
How can everyone help with that? I think um, we need to start seeing this as a regular issue. So I'm going to get to that in a second, but I just want to say, you know, this is an issue that affects something like 200 million people on the planet. Wow. And every 11 seconds, somebody oh, is cut. A calm. We need to say a prayer for our vulvas right now. Oh, right? oh. So... It's so commonplace that it's probably affecting like someone in your school, someone at your job, someone in your neighborhood. So first of all, you need to see it like that. And then you need to question, why the hell do we not have a national action plan in Canada to deal with this? And then once you question that, then you'll want to join our organization and get involved in some of our activities. So I would think reading the novel would be a great way into understanding the full issue. I um, think so too. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure both you and your publisher agree. Now, we can pre-order the book if we go to bitbit.ly forward slash order seven. And I think what you said about white people going, I can't talk about that, it's racist. You know, like it's uh, anything that feels cultural. But Leila Hussein, who comes on the show a lot, she always says, it's not cultural, it's violent. Yes. You wouldn't, if you heard your neighbor being beaten up, you wouldn't go, well, it's cultural. Exactly. Like, you know, exactly. you would just say someone's being violent to somebody. The other thing is that we're now beginning to understand that it happens on every continent except maybe Antarctica. There was this beautiful uh, survivor named Renee Bergstrom, uh, who's a white... Christian American who started speaking out a few years ago and so we also believe that this happens but it's just not talked about it's so taboo but it's happening amongst white Christians um, it's everywhere and so it's all of our issues do you have anything to plug that you would like us to follow, look at, watch, listen to, read, think about? Well, yeah, I'm going to double down. I'd like people to read seven. Um... And we have That's to make sure generous. we follow also, Zen like, up. Huh? We have to follow you. No, I was going to... Oh, I was going to get to me. We're just, just being feminist here. She's just saying, you're welcome on my door. There's room. Um, you guys can, of course, follow me um, on any social media site except Facebook. I hate it. Cut that out, but I do hate it. Um, leave it in. F it. Um, Are you saying up Johnson on all those things? Yeah, was that taking a long time to get to it? No, no, no. I just wanted to make sure they knew yeah. how to spell your name. Zainab Johnson. Z-A-I-N-A-B Johnson. Not, um, not how just they write it. <laughs> not just Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Zainab yeah. Johnson. And I have a podcast, actually. Yeah, that you guys can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called Honest Tea with Z. Um, but honesty is spelled H-O-N-E-S-T-E-A. Uh, we prefer Honest Head with Zed. <laughs> Just, it's just how we roll in these parts. Whatever you put in the search engine to bring up my voice, do it. Excellent. Uh, we will. And also, you must all watch out for this new television show, which yeah. is uh, by the creator of The American Office. Yeah. Uh, what is it about? Um, hmm. 
I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but we it takes place in the future. Oh. And it's called Upload. And in this future world, instead of maybe going to... The, the idea is that maybe you don't die and go to heaven. Maybe we go into these virtual heavens. <gasps> I hope you are allowed to say that because you just have. I know. <laughs> don't but it's, tell it's, it's very interesting. It's a, a funny look into the very close future. Ooh. Oh, well, we are all there for that. Did you hear that? Ooh. We're so there for that. Find out if you're allowed to say it, and if you are, we'll put it out on the podcast, because that will intrigue many. Okay. Is there anything else that you came to say, uh, Farzana, that you feel you didn't leave on the table that you need us to know? Do you have anything else you want to say? (laughs) I I wanted to do I'm a feminist, but... Oh, yeah. Can I do that? (laughs) So, you know, I kind of feel like um, this is not that. I'm going to... This is my preamble so that you'll be nice to me and laugh. Um, Because I kind of feel like, you know, when I grow up, I'd like to be a stand-up comedian because they're so smart and, like, quick. You know, it takes me four years to write a novel. Anyway, so... We would love to write a novel, just to be clear. It's so respectable what you do. I I write and I rewrite and I... My mother would be so proud of you. I could... (laughs) Does she love that you have a book out now? She... I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, we can't put this in the podcast, but like, she's like, oh, I don't really know what you do. You know. Okay. I'm a feminist, but I watch a lot of bad television, you know, kind of as a, a palate cleanser at the end of the day. And I feel bad about that because I feel like I could be listening to more feminist podcasts or reading more feminist books or even watching more feminist porn. (laughs) I don't even watch feminist porn. I end up watching a gazillion episodes of Friends. Which, how'd I do? How was that? That's really good, yes. Do you have a favorite episode of Friends? I feel like it's just noise in the background, frankly. It's just wallpaper. It's just how you do it. Could I be any more dated? But, you know, I've been watching it like a second time around because it came out, what, in the 90s, which is the first time around. Every Thursday night, there was Friends and Seinfeld, right? It was a big deal. We we all congregate around the fireplace to watch it. Yeah. Um, And... I'm kind of feeling like I really relate to Phoebe this time around, and I didn't before. I've become a lot more Phoebe-like over time. So I watched her very closely. Oh, that's interesting. Who did you relate to the first time around? None of them, you know. (laughs) They were all having such great lives. And it was like, oh, it has to be your day, week, month, or year. Come on. They had friends. They, They had friends. They were hot. They had ridiculous apartments. Yeah, like, I'm like, Amazing what? how could it be more? Your day, your week, your month, or even your year? You constantly date a stream of incredibly good-looking people. I don't fucking know what you want. And you have rent control? I mean, it's been your day. You're all white. It's been your day, your week, your month, and your year, baby. You're all white. You're all straight. Come on. I mean, if it yeah. had gone on much longer, one of them would have come out. Yes. Actually... They did a lot of hinting that Phoebe was kinky. Did anybody else notice that? There's so many references to Phoebe and spanking. 
if you watch it, like, I would like to, someone to make a montage of them all. <laughs> She's a kingster. Did you have a favorite friend? Uh, yeah, it was Khadija on Living Single. <laughs> Very fair. Very fair. You know what I was going to say, though, um, when the heckle was, what else can we do or what can we do to help? This is going to, especially since we're talking about television, feel free to cut this out, but I just wanted to say mm. this. Um, not, maybe the last season of Orange is the New Black. Do we watch Orange is the New Black? Yes. There, a major storyline had to do with FGM. Yes, Shawnee. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was so great that they uh, brought awareness to it in that medium. And I think that when they do stuff like that, tell stories that are not normally told, especially within a bigger story, if we tweet and comment and write that we notice it, then they'll do it more. And they'll include these things in like mainstream things that we watch, which a lot of people learn from tele, you know, a lot of people get all of their information from the shows that they watch. That's a really good point. And I always think if we don't support female-driven drama, they just say, oh, see, a female-driven drama doesn't work. Yeah. What they never do, if a male-driven show bombs, they never go, well, that show's about men out. <laughs> they never make that assessment. No, absolutely. If a female superhero movie bombs, it's like, well, there's no more female superhero movies for 25 years. Mm -hmm. If a male superhero movie bombs, they give that same man who made it twice the budget. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and say, we're sorry, it was our fault for only giving you $200 million when we sh clearly should have given you $400 million. It's a true story. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Andrew Francis White, guest co-host, Zainab Johnson, and our very special guest, Marzana Doctor. I ran this past Zainab backstage. I was worried this dress was a bit Handmaid's Wife. Do you know what I mean? Did anyone think that? Did anyone be like, mm, no. we didn't think she'd be so Handmaid's Wife? No. Okay, fine. You want to know what my response was? I was like, I've never seen an episode. <laughs> that, which wasn't helpful because she can't, <laughs> she doesn't know. But then I took pictures. I was like, you look amazing. And doesn't she? Thank you. It's new, you're the first people to see it. So, um, also don't buy anything, it's bad for the environment. Uh, so, <laughs> look at the water jug. There's no bottles here. Now, uh, yes, so. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.